This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shepherdville Mills Baptist Church. Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. Of course, you know I'm Brother John O. Sims, and uh, today I'm serving as host, and I have a very special guest in the studio with me today, my friend, ministry partner, almost the entire time I've been in the ministry, um, associate pastor with me here at Shelbyville Mills for about 19 years, um, Pastor David Brown. Welcome, brother. How are you today? It's good to be here. Amen. We've been trying to do this for months. We have. It's good to finally be here. I'm glad you're with us, brother. Thank you. Brother David served as associate pastor here at Shelbyville Mills almost the entire time I've been here. And many of you know that about six years ago, uh, coming up this spring, I believe, it'll be six years, Mm -hmm. Brother David took our church plant in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Christ Baptist Church, where he has been the senior preaching pastor there in this church plant that we did. And... Anchored in Truth uh, adopted Christ Baptist Church as one of our Anchored in Truth partners. And Brother David has been the church planting pastor there for six years. And I've had it on my heart, like David said, for months for us to just sit down and discuss, David, what you've learned about church planting so far. A lot of our Anchored in Truth partners all over the world listen to this podcast. Some of them are very, very seasoned. Some of them are just getting started. And your combined pastoral experience here at Shelbyville Mills on staff here, and then the six years as a church planner, I just felt like would be invaluable. I think so too. Amen. I wanted to start with some things most people listening probably wouldn't know. And that is... I came to Shelbyville Mills as the pastor in 2000, and I had been on staff here as the senior pastor for about a year. I was looking for a um, small group um, educational minister, pastor, and our mutual friend, Brother Noel Wright, called me one day and said, I have a young man that you might want to consider as your associate pastor. And he gave me your name, and we met over uh, one town over and had lunch together. You remember that pretty well? Yeah, I often tell people <laughs> I met my first, I met my second pastor in the jail. <laughs> it's the truth. <laughs> it's the truth. We were in an old restaurant named Cahoots, and it was an, the old county jail yes. that they converted into a restaurant. That was a fabulous meeting. Um, I was in a situation at my former church that I wasn't happy with, and I had give up. But I knew God had something out there for me. And I had Brother Noel, my mentor, me and him had been talking, and that's when doors opened. When he, at the time, had his evangelistic ministry going, so right. he was in contact with lots of churches. And uh, I had flown all over the United States talking to churches, and knew those doors were closed almost immediately even though a couple of them offered me positions. And you and I talked. It was a week of vacation Bible school. Right. And things, good things happen in VBS, not just VBS, but in my ministry, it's just, I don't know, it's when you're busy, the best things happen. And you, you called me, and I, I asked if I could call you back, get past the rush of VBS, and called you back that afternoon. And I went home and told my wife, start packing. Mm. We'll be out of here in six weeks. Wow. And we were out in seven. Wow. Uh, I just knew that you and I were um, connected yeah. on everything. Yeah. And we, you drilled me and I drilled you for That's hours right. on the phone because I had determined I wasn't going to waste anybody else's time flying all over the United States and somebody paying for it. And we find out this wasn't going to work. Right. But like I said, when I, when I hung up the phone, I, I drove home four miles. I was thinking, I'm going to be in Shelbyville. I don't even know where Shelbyville's yeah. at. <laughs> It's amazing when we do these podcasts how the Lord brings things to your mind, and this might be a little bit beyond the scope of what we thought we would talk about. 
But, you know, there are a lot of guys out there that are support staff members, and this would be very helpful for them to hear. You made a quote to me years ago that I've never forgotten that I think needs to be brought out here. You said that you told Lisa, I'm not looking for a church. I'm looking for a pastor to serve with. That's right. That's exactly what Noel told me mm. because I, I was very discouraged at uh, pastors and churches I was talking to. It wasn't working out, and Noel just he said, Brother, you don't need to worry about the church. Yeah. Just find that pastor, and everything will fall into place. And he's right. Yes, he is. Uh, you, you think about how people locate a church. They're identified with the pastor. Well, why wouldn't a staff member be as well? Yes. And when that was so liberating to me. I already knew it, but it just hadn't been said. Yeah. And when he said it, things in my head just started clicking. And I just knew that that was that was probably some of the best counsel I've ever received. We've talked about this through the years a million times, brother. No church rises above its leadership. No. And I've had people say to me, I'm looking for a church home, but I can't find one. You know, this church doesn't have this and it doesn't have that. And I'll say to them, find a healthy pastor. Yes. Stick with him. Stay with him. And over time, that church will be transformed into a healthy church. Yes. But it has to have a healthy Bible-believing, Bible-preaching preacher in the pulpit. Yes, and you know that goes to the church planning as well. As I tell people, I had so many people come our way that asked, do we offer this, do we offer that? And the answer is no, because we're just getting started. Right. And my answer is always, but if you'll stick around long enough, we will have everything that you're asking me for. Yeah. Because it's the same things I want. Exactly. But you've got to stick it out. And it's discouraging because people don't want to wait. Right. We're very impatient. Everything yes. is we, we want it now. And that's the world we live in. Yeah. That doesn't that that's not the way it works in church planning. Man, let me just say that a healthy biblical local church is worth waiting on. Yes. It's worth fighting for. It's worth staying for. And, you know, we've come to understand here at Shelbyville Mills and Anchored in Truth as well, and I think you would agree with this, we've learned now that we're not so much planting churches, brother, as we are pastors. You're planting pastors. You're planting pastors. Because if you plant an unhealthy pastor, that church will never be healthy. That's correct. But if you plant a healthy pastor in time, uh, the leaven of that pastor will permeate that entire congregation. Yes, and it, it will go beyond him because if he's done his job right, when it's time for him to step down, the church will know what they're looking for. Right. And they'll be looking for the right things. Right, right. So it goes way beyond him. You know, I've, I've shared that I'm, I'm 59 years old. I'm not your average age for a church planner. Uh, I don't have a 25-year plan because I don't know if I've got 25 years. Exactly. But I, I do have a 10- or 15-year plan for myself. But... In that transition, I, I would hope people would say, well, we want someone just like our current pastor. Right, right. I don't want them to com unfairly com compare me to them, but I, I understand they need to find someone that believes in expository preaching, which is hard, believes it's necessary to spend time in the Word of God so, he'll not, <laughs> so he can stand approved before the people of God. Right. And also stand on the hard things like church discipline. Right. Which so, so few people will. Right. Well, brother, we could literally do 10 podcasts because you and I have been through so much together, and my mind's just racing in a thousand different directions. But to transition just a little bit, sure. we knew when we met at that restaurant that it was a marriage. Yep. And that's kind of what a staff is. It's like a marriage. You, you, you've got to kind of be believe the same things and be pulling in the same direction. And that was proven through you and I serving 19 years together. And by the way, we would still be together. Yes. If the Lord hadn't called you to Christ Baptist Church, we would probably retire together. Yes. And so um, we went through every conceivable dispensation of ministry you can possibly go through, from a church split to church fight to even years of unhealthiness after that to finally the Lord beginning to move and work and and bring this congregation, though you never arrive, but to a healthy position to where it's the Lord's church. And, brother, you were uh, my partner. Um, you're still one of my very best friends. We pulled together. We worked together. We cried together. We, we, we suffered together. We went through the fire together. And I'm eternally indebted to Jesus and you, brother. A lot of the um, 
things that we enjoy nowadays at Shelbyville Mills is still a legacy, you know, to your leadership here when you were here. And, and I deeply appreciate that. But just in transition, brother, out of, you know, kind of um, where you were to where you are, after having been in the ministry at Christ Baptist, I don't remember how long it was, maybe a couple of years. I remember you came to me in a staff meeting one day and you said, brother, I owe you an apology. And I said, for what? <laughs> and you said, man, I thought it, I thought I knew what it was like to be a senior pastor until I crossed that threshold. Take us through that just a little bit, brother, because there's a lot of good and godly men that are support staff members, but there is a difference in there between being a support staff member and really being the one where kind of the buck stops here, so to speak. Yeah, you know, when you're a support staff, associate pastor, you know you have the ultimate protection in your senior pastor if he's got any, if he's any kind of man of God at all. Yeah. So you've always got that crutch to fall back on. Right. So we go through a church split. I'm thinking, well, I have Brother Jonathan. Right. Okay, and then you may have been saying I got Brother David. I'm thinking I got Brother Jonathan. He's the senior pastor. Right. And when we went through an embezzlement, like, I got Brother Jonathan. And we went through all these things. I've always thought I've got Brother Jonathan. Now, yeah, I have Jesus, but I mean I've got Brother Jonathan. Okay. Yeah. Well, now I'm it. I'm it with no staff members. I got a, a part-time music director, so everything comes back to me. And it's amazing a church that runs forty has the exact same problems as a church that runs 400. Right. The only difference is I have to handle all of them. You don't have any help. I don't even have deacons right now. Right, right. I don't have any other staff. Um, So I have to, the buck stops with me. Sometimes that may be a plunge in a commode when that was part of my job description before, and I wouldn't have thought it would have been a job description now, but sometimes it is. It's everything stops with me or starts with me or stalls with me. Right. That is a huge weight mm-hmm. to be under, mm-hmm. even if it is just for 40 people. Right. Because you realize they're looking to you for leadership. Yeah. And um, that's kept me up. That's kept me awake at night many a time. And it's, it's caused me to fret and it's caused me to be anxious. And, but I, I keep coming back to the fact that the, 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 the success or failure of this church is not dependent upon me as long as I am doing what I'm called to do. Right. And I am. Right. At least I think if you ask the, my church, you, they would say, you are. You, you are. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, and this is something we talked about just earlier, I have people call me very frequently about church planning, and they'll ask me, what is your number one thing that's on your heart? And I and I, I said, I'll tell you what it is, and I promise you it'll be on yours as well. I said, if you're coming from a healthy church, mm. knowing where you are, mm-hmm. but knowing where you want to be. Wow. And there's just a huge difference, a gap in there. And I'm not sure that me at my age, is I'm ever going to get where I want this church to be. But I'm going to put it on a trajectory. And pray that the next person behind me and the next person and the next person stays on that course. But wasn't that Paul's? Yes. That was Paul's approach, brother, and, and ordaining elders in every city and, and having a godly pastor in that town. was He was looking. There was a gap between where Paul's churches Always. were and where he wanted them to be. And I would guarantee his gap was much larger than oh, mine. Oh, you know it was. Uh, yes, Um and I understand when Paul was worried that he had run in vain. Mm-hmm. He was worried about the Corinthian church. Yes. I get that. Yeah. When you're in church planning and you're running forward and you go down to 22 one Sunday because everybody's sick or on vacation and you got 12 in Sunday school, you, you automatically just think disappointing thoughts. Right. But then the following week, you're up to 36 again. Yeah. It's, it's all over the map. Right. But yes, uh, I guarantee Paul would agree with me on that yeah. or I would agree with Paul on that. In my office, where we have our staff meetings every Monday, um, I can't. I can't even come up with the numbers of times if I was required to to say that you and I in staff meetings talked about we need to plant a church in Murfreesboro. Yes, we need to plant a church in Murfreesboro. We knew that. Murfrees- Rutherford County is the fastest growing county in Tennessee. The largest university in Tennessee is right there. Yep bigger than University of Tennessee in Middle Tennessee State. Just growing, exploding, houses popping up everywhere. And we knew that we 
needed to plant this church. And we started the church with a brother that most people on this podcast are going to be familiar with, Brother Joe Carpenter. Yes. And Joe pastored the church for a while. And then the Lord led him to be full-time associate pastor here. And uh, you came to me one day and said you believe that the Lord was calling you uh, to shepherd that church. But before we get there, let me give this little story, and then we'll pick up right there. So I go home after church one Sunday. I've preached uh, and back in the bedroom. I thought I'm just going to, and I don't always get to do this. I'm going to lay down and take a nap. Phone rings, and I reached over and answered it on my, on my landline phone there. You and I lived in the same neighborhood. And there was a man on the other end. He told me his name. He said, I'm the sole surviving elder at this church on Campground Road. And he said, I watch you on TV. I listen to your preaching. And he said, I'd like to talk to you about us transferring our property over to you. I know you're missions-minded. I know you're church-plant-minded. I know you all have talked about planting a church. And I'd like to talk to you, with you about that. And I said, well, sure. And it was about a week after that, I think you and I uh, drove out just to see the property and everything. And this guy basically said, look, we got a church building. We got about an acre of land, a little bit more. And th they had some money in the bank. We didn't know exactly how much at that time. He said, we'll give it to you, lock, stock, and barrel. Well, it's yours We'll give it to you. We'll turn it over to you. We just need you guys to take it and plant a church. And I was blown away. I was completely blown away. And just to complete that story, not to draw it out, that ended up happening. Yes. They transferred full ownership over to Shelbyville Mills, gave us the building, the, um, the amount of money, which was a significant amount of money, uh, not earth-shattering, but enough to help um, to plant the church. And off we went. And it was sometime after that, when Joe had come on full-time staff here, you came to me one day in my office and said, Pastor, I feel like the Lord is leading me to pastor that church. Timeline's a little bit off. Right. But I, uh, Yes. Okay, so I come here in 2000. Uh, one of the other staff members carries me on a hospital call to Murfreesboro. And I just say, I cannot believe how much this town has grown. Mm. I had come to, I had visited friends at MTSU when I was at college at UNA. Right. And I just couldn't believe how much this town had grown. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, in 2000, wow. we need to, there needs to be a, a, a Bible-centered, expositional church up here. Um, but that's, that was all it was. It was just conversation. Fast forward to 2010. That thought never lost, left my mind, never left my mind. And, and, of course, Lisa and I were in discussion about this a lot. And I was overseeing missions here, and we decided that I would be— I, w I went to a North American Mission Board to get certified as a church planner for the North American Mission Board. It was a two-day event in Brentwood. There were lots of church planners there. There were lots of potential church planners there. And there was excitement, but at the same time, there was the thud of reality in that I did not fit. Mm -hmm. I, I was a, a square peg in a round hole. And though I wanted the financial support of NAM, I knew that we would never completely line up. Right. I knew I was Southern Baptist, core and core. I mean, straight down. You couldn't go any deeper. But I just didn't want to tie myself to the, the state convention or the national convention. So that was in 2010. We'll just keep going fast forward, go back now uh, six years from now, or actually seven, eight. Uh, Joe had the church plant in Murfreesboro. I was trying to help him find a place to, to lease. Right. I couldn't find anything for Sunday morning that we could afford. Right. We looked everywhere, everywhere. and I was doing everything I could to support him. But in the back of my mind, and I never said anything to anyone except my wife, I'm not so certain that I'm not supposed to be the church planner. Mm. But I was going to support Joe, and I did. When Joe announced that he didn't think they could continue doing this, I knew that was the open door for me. Well, we announced to the church we're, 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 we're 
not canceling this, but we're just going to have to put a halt on it for a while until God raises somebody up. Right. I, I think that's the terminology you used. Mm-hmm. I didn't say anything, not even to you yet, but I knew in my heart it was me. So that summer, uh, I led a team. It was the last team y'all carried to Africa, and Joe was on that team, and we were uh, in Polokwane. Actually, we were in Mozambique, but we were in Polokwane for services, and we were at Christ Baptist Church. And I knew while I was and our airfare, our airline travel got messed up, so we had to wait for somebody to, to catch up to us. So we got to spend an extra day with that church, and I just knew. I knew that the Lord was leading me to plant the church, and I also knew the name he wanted me. Amen. I knew it. Um, but I kept these things to myself. Sure. I pondered these things like Mary did. Right. So while I'm in Africa, all I'm thinking about is church plant in America when I should be thinking about what's going on in Africa. Uh, but I had a good team. I get home, and I, 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 I told Lisa, I said, I'm going to meet with Brother Jonathan and tell him we—, we we're the church planners. But I said, I've got to rest to make sure I'm not making a mistake here. It's week of vacation Bible school. There you go again. Uh, you called me to the office. No, I, I met with you the week before and said, I believe I'm a church planner. Week of vacation Bible school transpired. You called me, you shot a text to me and said, can you come by the office? And he talked to you about something. And I just replied, as soon as I can get there, I walk in I've spoken to you the week earlier about being the church planner, and then you tell me the news about this church. Right. The facility issue was the number one thing on my mind because I'd been there with Joe, and it was a hard thing to overcome. It's a very difficult thing for church planners, new churches to overcome. Right. They move around a lot. Yeah. And I knew then this had to be confirmation of God. Mm. We're getting a church building given right. to us. Right. So all three of us were scheduled to go up and look at the building. But something came up with you, something came up with Joe, so I met with the brother up there, mm-hmm. and I looked at the building. It was uh, <laughs> outdated. Yeah. It smelled bad. Yeah. It was dirty, but it was a church. Amen. And the deal was, we're going to give it to you and our bank account, which was somewhere around $25,000, $30,000. Right. No strings connected, nothing. So we went through due diligence to make sure they could do this. We got the church. We begin that renovation work. Right. And then he calls me one day and said, I got some good news for you. We got some more money to give you. I found it. I said, what do you mean you found it? Hmm. He said, it was in a CD that matured I didn't know about. I said, how much more? He said, about another 25000 hmm. That was enough to pay for the renovations. Amen. So we have been able to meet in one location. Right. In a real church, right. not a storefront. Right. Nothing wrong with a storefront, sure. but it's not it's not set up for a church. We have a fellowship hall. We have Sunday school spaces. We didn't have a baptistry, but we managed to fix that really quick. But we've not had to move. Mm-hmm. We've been there. Right. Now we are going to run into some issues in the future of of space in the in the facility itself and also land. But the way I see it, God has given us this. He'll open up those doors as we need them. Yes. Um, it's been on my heart. It's been a matter of prayer for about five years. But you know as well as I do, sometimes you pray for things in direction for a very long time before you get a clear sense of what direction to go with God. No doubt about it. But that's where we're at. It's just been an amazing journey. Who would have ever believed something like that could happen? I mean, I've heard it happen a few times, but it doesn't happen very often. Right. right. And then to turn around and give us a bank account. Yeah. And like you said, with no strings attached. No strings attached. It was attached. just wonderful. Yeah. No strings attached. And yeah. we were renovated for six months, and we were in the first Sunday of March, be six years ago, this coming March, and the goal was to get in by Easter Sunday, and we made that goal by three weeks. Amen. Amen. Well, I know something that's thoroughly taught in the New Testament, very, very well attested to, something as Baptists that we strongly believe in, therefore— what we believe determines how we behave. This is a way that you and I both practice. We believe that the New Testament teaches cooperation in missions and in mission work. It needs to be like cooperation, like-minded, like theology, like doctrine. Uh, how can two walk together except they be agreed? You said that at the outset about me and you working together. Yes. And that follows through all the way to church planting, who you partner with. 
And how important, brother, and I'm thinking about this in twofold, having Shelbyville Mills as your mother church, and then also the dual partnership that came along later with Anchored in Truth, how important is cooperation to a successful church plant? Okay, church planting's hard. Right. No, it is real hard. I believe Brother Jason, this past year at the conference, his wife said it was hard, and I looked at my wife and said, no, this is real hard. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine how hard it would be without partnerships of like-minded churches. And I'm not just talking about financial partnership. I'm talking about send me help. Right. Uh, I need someone to fill the pulpit. I need someone to to complain to. Yeah. I need counsel. Mm-hmm. I tell my church all the time what you tell your church here. You call Brother Jeff your pastor. Mm-hmm. I call you my pastor. Right. Pastors need pastors, and I need someone I can call. But when I, as even though I had 25 plus years of experience as an associate pastor, I was now the pastor being facing these things, and I'm facing them by myself. Right. And um, I wanted to make right wise decisions, but the cooperation, cooperation between these churches. I, I tell people all the time, I could have done it. Without the financial help, I would have been back in nursing yeah. by vocational. Right. That's hard mm-hmm. for any pastor. I was prepared. Two years before we I announced the church plant, I re-upped my license. I was prepared to go back to nursing part-time. Praise God I haven't had to do that. Uh, but just being able to call you, me and Ryan talk on the phone very regularly. Me and Brother Steve talk very regularly and text back and forth. Just to be in a relationship with another church and we agree, Yeah. I would say about everything. It just helps you realize you're not crazy. <laughs> Correct. Yes. That you're not alone. And you, I'll be honest with you. I, I work at home. And um, there, it's lonely hours. Sure, I'm so used. To, I was so used to having staff. I was so used to people just walking into my office. And at the time, I'd complain about it. Can't yeah. you knock? Yeah. And now I wish somebody would just walk in. Right. And there's no one to walk in. Right. And then we had COVID hit. Yeah. And all these people are complaining about working at home and thinking I've been doing it for two years already. Right. right. But it is hard. Yeah. Church planners uh, don't have the fallback staff. Yeah. So what I tell them, if you don't have the relationship like I do, then make one. Yeah. Find someone. Make that relationship happen. So at least you've got a counselor. Yeah. Multitude of counselors are safety. Yeah. And you just got to have it. Forgive me for taking this opportunity, brother, to throw this out here. But that's why you want to reach out to Anchored in Truth if you're listening today. Yes. You know, that's what we're here for. You you, you will find a team. Uh, of nationwide of pastors that believe like you believe and are committed to applying truth in the church that can pray with you and talk with you and help you. And um, I just pray that if there's a guy out there listening and he feels isolated and alone, that he would reach out to us and let us help him. I I would agree. Um, If you stay isolated long enough, you're going to get discouraged and you're going to quit. That's what happens. That's what happens. You're not just going to quit the church plant. You may actually quit the ministry. Yeah. Um, Just having people that will tell you the truth. Yes. You know, to me, and I I know we already kind of discussed this in in short form a moment ago, but it just astounds me, and I know the reality of it, but to hear you say it, you had served on staff here for 19 years. Yeah, close to 19. That's right. You had been through every conceivable problem, toil, struggle, heartache that you can possibly go through. And by the way, some biggies. I mean, the worst biggies. I mean, some big ones. And you had been, you had been and led and even been in the highest levels of dealing with church discipline cases and removing a staff member. You were actually the one that terminated the staff member that embezzled the money, and rightly so. You were a part of our chairman of deacons being disciplined and removed from our congregation. You were a part of our custodian being <laughs> disciplined and not only disciplined, but prosecuted and went to jail. And so, I mean, you're, you're talking about some heavy hitting, high, you know, very difficult things that you deal with in ministry. 
But as I sit here and listen to you, you say to me, yeah, but it's different when you're the pastor. Completely different. It's completely different. There was a brother in this church. He's still here. He said it in good humor. He said, you keep this up. We're going to call you the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, but I'll tell you, all those things, still being guarded and shielded with a pastor. Right. All the armor fell off. Yeah. And you're out there. You're not by yourself. I've got people in the church with me, but there is a difference. But they're looking to you. That is right. They're looking to you. People in the pew are looking towards their pastor for leadership, and they cannot understand what's going on in his mind, his heart. Yeah. I shared with you, I just came through a church discipline case. It's been very difficult, very difficult for some personal reasons, but it was a doctrinal issue, and it took weeks to transpire. And Sunday, I was liberated from it and went right back into the book of Titus and felt wonderful the people were with me but it was this was a heavy thing for the church to go through yeah um but they it's like i told you brother uh i'm sorry i didn't understand what a pastor went through well how can you i mean how could you brother you can't you know i, I tell people all the time the closest person to me i we're going through oswald sanders spiritual leadership as a staff again wonderful book great and today was chapter five, and we spent the whole morning. That's all we did until you got here. And I told the staff this morning, the closest person on the face of this planet to me is Kayla, and I'm sure you would say it's Lisa. Yes. Kayla is, we're one. She's my soulmate. She's my wife. She's my partner. She does not understand what it means to be a pastor. No. Um, she's empathetic. She's sympathetic. She believes what I'm telling her. But emotionally, the weight, the responsibility the reality of what I feel and sense and face and just, brother, by the, the and also the looming judgment seat of Christ, where I'll give an account for shepherding his flock, is a weighty thing every day of your life. And I always say this, nobody understands it perhaps but another pastor that's, and not just any pastor, but a pastor that's actually walking out and applying truth in that church. I remind the church very regularly that I have to give an account that they don't have to. Absolutely. And that's why I tell them, I said, I'm, you may think that my preaching for six weeks on a particular subject is too much. And I said, it's because I'm trying to deal with this thoroughly. So when I stand before the judgment seat, my conscience I, will is heal, clear. I will heal well done. Paul said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. I've held nothing back. Right. My hands are clean. I'm innocent of the blood of all men. That's the way we want to go to the judgment seat. And it is a weighty, weighty thing. What, brother, I know you and I briefly uh, discussed one particular thing over lunch today at a brand-new restaurant in Shelbyville. <laughs> but some, what, what are some difficulties, disappointments, you know, that you face in those early years of planting a church? Well, first of all, the transition is difficult. Right. Uh, coming, off of a, coming from a healthy church— a healthy staff. I have said this. I'll say it again. If you can leave a church, whether you're a staff member or a person, and it doesn't bother you, you weren't connected. Something was wrong. It ought to be like a death. Yes. Yeah. And for about three years, I felt like it was a death for me. Right. Right. I knew it wasn't, but it felt like it. You don't. Not a divorce. Right. A death. Right. So the the transition itself was hard. Working at home was hard, but. And this is the common thing I hear, and it's not just church plants, but it is worse than church plants. We don't ever have enough people resources. Right. I need, I need, I need people. Help. I need help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, people ask me the number one prayer request. I say, I need help from people who don't need help. Right. And what I mean by that is they don't, I don't have to sit down with them for six months or 12 months in counseling to work them through some things. To I need prop some, them up so they can help you. I need yeah. somebody with the pioneering a feeling of starting a new work and that I don't have to be right beside them to wonder what they're doing, what they're saying, and that, that they're doing it with the right motive and heart. Yeah. Uh, help. Um, up until this year, we've been solid as a rock on finances, but this mm. past year has been tough. Right. I don't, I don't think it has anything to do with the economy. You should tithe whether it's a bad economy or not. Absolutely. Or more than tithe. Yeah. You learn to cut elsewhere. Right, but not the Lord. But not the Lord. Yeah. But the resources, the, the people resources is the huge one. I'm very lucky. Mm -hmm. I'm right, I live between both churches. 
And I have been utilizing the secretaries here and the copier here. We told you we wanted you to. I know, and I'm going to. And yeah. I, it's been a I, there's a lot of guys that don't have that. Though. Right. And uh, I, I tell people all the time, I have two secretaries still work for me. I don't have to pay them anything. Amen. <laughs> I don't. But they they've taught me. I'm taking over some things, but again, a lot of guys don't have that. A lot of that falls on the pastor's wife. Yeah. And a lot has fallen on my wife. But not those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, you're a partner in this, and it just that's just the way it is. One thing we, you and I talked about, this is really, we, we didn't practice for this or rehearse this. We just jotted some notes down today over lunch. But one thing that you said that I felt like was very important to state, I needed to hear it. By the way, this is the first solo church I've planted now, we've been a part of several church plants with Anchored in Truth, but I mean, our church is the, this all originated here, Yes, was prayed over here, sent here, financed here, undergirded here, and pretty much solely done by Shelbyville Mills. Anchored in Truth came along later and just joined in and helped. Yes. But, you know, so w- we made some mistakes, and one of the things that you talked about at lunch was, you know, we had a three-year agreement up front of, of just kind of like a you know financial pay for you and and other things that three years just was not adequate at all that's because we were ignorant yeah <laughs> we didn't just know. didn't know any better uh three years is way way too short right five years we're still working through some issues i mean we're, um that's three years is being very short-sighted right uh, I would think if a church is going to do what we did, they need to look at a 10 or perhaps a 12, 15-year window. It will be dependent upon the health of the mm-hmm. of the church plant. I would say, and we agreed on this. We said three, but we're open to whatever it has to be. So at least we knew we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Just admit you don't know. Sure. And I've discovered we did not know. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we're now in this fixing to be six years. Uh, we're We're still... I mean, we're, 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 the church itself is financially independent. Okay, we're, we're on our own now. I, I, I tell our church all the time, we have to look at, a, look at this church like being a child. Mm-hmm. At some point, the kid has to move out. Right. You don't want them in the basement or upstairs living in your bedroom. That's the way we are. I said, we've got to become our own church, but we will always be indebted to the mother mm-hmm. church. And anchored in truth. Amen. So I, I may be incorrect about this. I'm not sure. I may be the only church planner uh, that was saved in Muscle Shoals. I think that's probably right. I think that's probably right. Who knew my senior year of college when I was saved that I would end up first being in the ministry because I was a registered nurse and then end up being a pastor, church planner. I think if you told me that then, I would have ran. Sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's quite a story, brother. It's it's an amazing journey of God's grace. There's is, no doubt about yes, it. it. Is. No doubt about it. And, uh, well, I can only tell you, brother, that my heart, and I just came through the budget finance process you know, very familiar with, that we go through every year here, the heart of all of our brothers that are that are serving in that capacity is to continue to help y'all and that we want to and that's you know it 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 doesn't we see now that it doesn't have anything to do with a time period or a certain number of years and so thank god we've all learned and adjusted you know as we've gone forward and i know that's true of anchored in truth as well one thing brother jeff always says is when we find a brother that god's raising up and it's obvious that the Lord wants us to plant a church with him. We want that brother to know we're with you for the long haul. We're not going to bail out on you. And if your church fires you or they run you off or whatever, we're not going to leave you financially destitute. We're going to come along and help you. What a privilege and an <clears throat> honor for a church planner to know I'm not alone. I'm not going to be homeless. You know, uh, I've, got a, I've got a safety net under me of, of godly brothers that are going to help me. And I'll tell you another thing, and I'm glad the Lord brought this to my mind, Brother David, while I'm on this subject. You know, years ago, you were here when a young man would come to us and say, I'm called to preach, and, 
you know, we'd, we'd help him. We'd send him to seminary, pretty much pay lock, stock, and barrel for him to go to seminary. One went to Master Seminary mm-hmm. with John MacArthur. Several brothers went to Mid-America. And, but then he would basically do the traditional sending out a resume, and a pulpit committee would call him, and there they would go. And the guy would be there three, four months, and he'd already be in trouble and probably get terminated and fired. Here's where I am today. We probably have three or four guys right now in our church that feel called to preach. They're going through the PTI at Grace Life Muscle Shoals. Um, it, they're on our radar to be church planters. If a traditional church called us up and said, hey, give me his resume, I'd laugh at him. I'd say, there's no way I'm wasting one of my most precious resources on your dysfunctional church. And, and brother, it's just it's, ha- it's caused me to change my thinking on I'm not just going to send one of my guys off to some dysfunctional church and let them harpoon him. You'd run a friendship, too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, and, and, you know, that's how it worked with you and I came together. I was doing the traditional route trying when I was at my first church. Now, by the way, when I went to the first church, I had a great relationship with my pastor. But he left two years into my four years there. So uh, I knew there was going to be a transition. But I was doing the traditional route, and I was dis- discouraged. And it was just word of mouth of a common brother. And I think you also talked to Brother Jeff. Jeff knew me as well. Um, that was I knew that's how it was going to happen. Right. But you can't make that happen. Right. So the only way I knew was sending out the resumes, but that was a very disappointing yeah. process. It's almost like Rebecca out at the well when Abraham's servants show up. You know, it, God just sovereignly puts it together or it never would happen, you know. And so I'm just at the position in my life, brother, that when God calls a man to preach and we invest hours and hours and hours and hours in training him, we want to send him to a church plant that has the best potential for success. And when I say success, everything that the Bible teaches a local church is supposed to be. Uh, The North American Mission Board would not deem what I deem a success. And I'm not trying to be critical of them, but we're just on two separate pages. We are. So I'm not going to send one of our most valuable assets and waste him on a church that's not going to follow and obey what the New Testament says a church is supposed to be. Yeah. I would say that anybody that's out there, just make sure what you consider success, just realize it is going to be really hard. Hard. Yep. Especially the first five years. Absolutely. Even with our support, even with Anchored in Truth's support. After the first year of our church plant, the second year I was at the conference, I had a dear brother, mutual friend of ours, come up to me and said, you survived the first year. He was a former church planner. Mm-hmm. He's pastoring the church. He said, you survived the first year. I said, I did. He said, it gets easier every year. Boy, that wasn't true, was it? No, but in some ways it was. I understood what he was saying. He said, you survived. Oh, he's saying you made it. You th- made it oh, that first year I threshold. Got I got you. I looked at one, three, and five as those thresholds. Now I'm looking at seven and ten. Mm-hmm. Um, we're right now fixing to be at six. Well, it, the battle shifts. It, the battle, it's a different battle. You're not struggling for who your biblical identity are. Your people are with you. Yeah. It's just the common struggles, brother, like you said, of a lack of resources, a lack of help, a lack of people. You know. Well, and we're blessed. I know as a church planner, I'm blessed. Amen. We're blessed. I know that. Uh, but I will just tell guys that are out there that you're, you're thinking that this is the possibility of being God's will. And I'll tell you how you know it. You can't get it off your head right. and your heart. It just will Won't not go leave. Away. It will not go away. Right. Reach out to me. I, I'm more than happy to help you any way I can. Pray with you. Counsel with you. Lord, I have spoken to so many people. Mm-hmm. Do you mind, brother, uh, because at the end of our podcast, they give the email and contact information for Shelbyville Mills, but would you mind uh, just giving a brother that might be listening, thinking about church planting, your email address? One would love to. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Just let me know when you want to. We'll give it. He can have my cell phone if he wants it. Okay. All right. Um, I've counseled several guys that have come my way through you. Right about the legalities of transfer in buildings. Right. Because that was a real learning curve for us on the front end. Yep. Why don't you just give your email address now, and then uh, they can reach you through that. Okay. It's dbrown 
as in David, D. Brown, SMBC. Still have the same one I had always. D. Brown, SMBC at gmail.com. D. Brown, SMBC at gmail.com. Yep. And if a brother needs help with church planting. Reach out. Reach out. That's, yep. that's how you begin that process. Uh, talk to brothers that have done it. And I think this might be a good way to, and I want to have you back, brother. I want to just say that. I want to have you back because I, I want to sit down and I want you and me to do a podcast on the anatomy of a church split and all that we went through and what that feels like and what that looks like. I think that would be helpful to some brothers. So let's, let's you and I commit to do that. Okay. But I want to just kind of sign off and close with this. What would you say, brother, to the young guy or maybe not so young guy that feels called to plant a church, but he's just, he's got all the romantic notions of what it's going to be like. He's got all of the romantic ideas of how exciting and how fun it's going to be. What would you say to him, brother? You got it all wrong. Mm. I had none of those thoughts because I'd been on staff for 25 years and saw how difficult just being a staff member could be. And we went through a lot of stuff. I had worked with church planters and saw the difficulties. I had none of that. But a lot of guys go into this with hardly any experience at all and think how great it's going to be to raise up a church and they'll always be with me and I won't have to go through all these other kinds of problems. I'm just going to say, yes, you will. Mm -hmm. Yes, you will. If you think it's going to be easy and your eyes are glistening with uh, romantic thoughts, you're mesmerized by church planting, wait. It's going to be like the Titanic if they don't wake up. It's going to sink. Yeah. Uh, but wait. Make sure make sure this is right. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is to plant a church yeah. and then pull out. Yes. Five years or less. Yeah. That's yeah. the worst thing you can do for a church plant because if it's that hard with just a few people, when that shepherd leaves, it's a good chance that church is going to fail. It won't survive. Yep. And then all the work and resources and prayers, and it's all to naught. Right. So look at what you're doing at a, at least a 10-year window. Yep. Brother Jeff always says have a, have a minimum of a 20-year vision. I agree <laughs> with Brother Jeff, but when you're 59 years old, that's a little hard. Yeah, for where you are uh, yes. completely, brother, no, no doubt about it. Yeah, this 59, well, I, was 50, I wasn't 59 then, but I'm 59 now. Hey, everybody knows how old I am. Church planning is hard. Yeah. Pastoring's hard. But I think it would have been easier if I were 10 years younger. Sure. Well, in the interest of full disclosure and just for our people to get, because Paul taught this, Paul taught these things, so it's legitimate for me to say what I'm about to say. Brother, everything you said is true, but one thing people don't know about you is with almost a debilitating back, uh, deteriorating uh, back that you've struggled with for decades, unbelievable pain. And brother, I almost liken it to Paul's thorn in the flesh that he said the Lord, I besought the Lord three times and he chose not to remove it, but he said, my grace is sufficient. And I, you're not a complainer and you never have been. But, brother, I know you well enough to know, and we've talked enough to know that the pain is unbelievable at times. It is. Uh, I was actually in pain when I came to the shovel, but we did, did not know it was my back. Right. And with since last November, I've had three major back surgeries. Right. These were the things I've been trying to avoid for the last 15 years, yep. but they haven't helped. Life doesn't stop just because you choose to plant a church. I think that's the point. No, I mean, doesn't. you still have the surgeries. You still have... Children get sick. I mean, and, and that's why it's so difficult if you if you don't have some help and support. I, I would say it's virtually almost impossible. My concern was when I was out. I, I was probably out twelve weeks last year for three surgeries, which is actually kind of short for three, or since last November. My concern was always the church. Yeah, uh, I didn't have a staff member to rely upon. I didn't, uh, you know, if if it happened while I was here, there's other support staff that could. I didn't. I didn't have that. Right. And I was very concerned. Yeah. Paul said his concern was always for the church. For the churches. Mm -hmm. And I get it. Yeah. I, I get it. Uh, you know, even this morning, I I regularly pray for the Lord to heal me, but I've also come to understanding that it may be on the other side of eternity that mm -hmm. He'll take the pain away. 
And um, I just told the Lord this morning, I said, Lord, I, I thank you for what I'm going through right now because it has kept me humble and it always keeps me turning to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was Paul's testimony. Yes, it was. Yeah. Well, brother, I I know I've told you this a million times, but I love you. Love you, I respect brother. you. Uh, thank God for you and your family. Uh, Anna and Austin are literally like my children. Um, <laughs> whenever I've got a lot invested in them. You do. And uh, whenever I see Anna, she gives me a big hug and, um, you know, just a, a joy to be a part of her life and see her now married and yep. happily married and, and serving the Lord. And, brother, we love you, and we just thank God for Christ Baptist Church, our sister, and the work that you guys are doing in Rutherford County, Tennessee, and it's just a joy to be a part, and and that's a partnership that will never end. No. Um, that'll carry us all the way to eternity, and we're, we're, we're very, very thankful for that. I very regularly give testimony to the partnership that I have with this church in Anchored and Truth, particularly this church, because Amen. I was with you, and I tell people it was very hard to leave. Yeah. I saw myself as retiring from here. Sure. That what this wasn't in David's plans, right? You know, until maybe ten years ago, it was in his thoughts, but not right. his plans. Uh, that's what made it hard to leave. Yeah, yep, yep. Well, for what it's worth, brother, you know I concur. I believe you made the right decision because you. you followed the Lord Jesus and you obeyed the Lord's leadership in your life, and uh, the results and the history speak for themselves. And it's a joy to be your partner. And I pray that in some way today, this podcast is encouraged someone help someone maybe uh, the lord in his providence will cause this to fall into the hands of a young man that the lord's raising up to plant a church and he'll reach out to us for help man I hope so don't do this alone don't oh. be the lone ranger no um, reach out to us email brother david contact us our contact info will be at the end of this podcast let us come alongside you and help you and don't think you are able to do it alone you need the support and the strength of cooperating churches so amen thank you for coming in today brother thank you for inviting me it's been a joy to have you amen it has been thank you for listening to the faithful expositor for more information on brother Jono's ministry go to our church website smbconline.com and follow him on twitter at Jono Sims.